As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This special edition of the Major Spoilers Podcast goes out to Brian West, also known as the Third Flash. Sorry you've been retconned, but hey, this one goes out to you. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, 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 The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a special Major Spoilers podcast. We are celebrating Major Spoilers' fifth Hello. birthday with a bunch of, of new episodes. Too. Wait. It's July 3rd. July 3rd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. July 3rd was our big day. We're celebrating this week by giving you some bonus episodes. The theme this week for the bonus episodes is five, because it is our fifth birthday. See? See what I did there? So we're looking at top five. This one five. is a Rodrigo suggestion. $5. Nope, Matthew. Oh, a Matthew suggestion. Top five. Why do you give him credit for all my best ideas? Because I'm well, always looking he, at Rodrigo. Yeah, he, he, he Rodrigo gives, usually comes up with the best ideas. He also gives you credit for all my jokes. Yes, there you go. That's true. Top five action girls. Five. Nope. Top five action girls. Rodrigo, why did you choose this topic? <laughs> <laughs> well, Steven. <laughs> Matthew, why the as top I was, five? As I was growing up in Kansas, <laughs> I always thought to myself... <laughs> Matthew, why the top five action girls? Well, mostly because I've been spending a lot of time on a, a website about uh, the tropes of television that I won't tell you the name of. But I am a huge fan of the archetype of the, the kick-butt female character. And they're so hard to find sometimes. But um, I, I think what really triggered this love is the fact that until I was 12 years old, I never saw a girl. I was <laughs> I was raised by my grandmother with three sisters and never allowed to go out. That's not true. But I really like just the 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 action girl motif. The whole, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to kick people in the butt and that's what's going to happen and I'm going to wear leather pants and stab them and probably maybe kiss a few vampires, not mentioning any particular characters in question. Buffy. But Surprisingly, yeah, not on like my that. list. All right, so let's take a look at our top five action girls. We'll make Matthew go last since this is his topic. Hmm. I will go first, and uh, then that puts Rodrigo in the middle. Okay. Uh, for me, 
Number five for me is The Bride from mm-hmm. Kill Bill. Talk about a girl Ooh. who takes uh, no prisoners. She pulls out that samurai yeah. sword and goes to town. Uh, the first time I saw that movie in the theater, I was totally blown away by just, I mean, we've seen Quentin Tarantino movies before. Mm-hmm. I mean, we sat through Pulp Fiction in the theater. We saw through Reservoir Dogs in the theater. But uh, when you have her fighting in the uh, Temple of the Blue Lotus or the um, Blue Lotus Tea Room or whatever that, mm-hmm. that one action sequence was, and she uh, slices off the top of, uh, what's her name? Lucy, uh, Lucy Liu's uh, head. It's just brilliant. And then, you know, just the ability for her to go through and just slice and chop and take a beating mm-hmm. and literally take a beating from uh, from David Carradine and the and the rest of the uh, uh, what Deadly, Viper, the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad uh, and then live through that and come back is just the epitome in me of an action girl at, at that number five position. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, what about you? Um, my number five is uh Mui from Shaolin Soccer. Oh yeah, yeah. She's the one that does the uh, the spinning uh, little yeah, uh, like the the dumplings. Mung bing, yeah, d- mung dumplings. Yeah. Um, and uh, she is also like everyone else in the movie, an awesome martial artist. But she brings a, a, a level of uh, calm and and serenity to the to to what she does. Um, that you don't see in the other characters and mm-hmm. uh at the end she ends up subbing in as as the goalie and she proves that her technique <laughs> is um of wearing a bald cap yes <laughs> her uh her technique is a uh, is is just as valid even though it's not as aggressive as as the the evil team with their american drugs yes, yes. if you've seen the non-disney version man that is an awesome movie and you it really is. need to watch it in the original chinese mm-hmm. uh, it's just Mind blowing what uh, <laughs> what came out of there. Yep. Um, and then the what was the sequel? Footnote: uh, Stephen does not actually speak Chinese. No, no, but I mean the they. Well, the non. Okay, the the movie was distributed by Disney in the United States, right? Like the second time around, right? So the Disney edit takes out a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. For example, the fact that the evil team uses right. evil American drugs. Yes. yes. There, you know, if you go and look, and I got into this when I was in California because my good friend Dave was uh, was really into Chinese kung fu movies, mm-hmm. um, and so he was always finding these places online where you could order these Chinese movies that had the English subtitles, but you were getting them from like Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and so we were always shipping in stuff, and so that's where I saw it originally is from one of these Im- imports that we did. And then, um, what was it, Kung Fu Hustle Kung is the Fu other Hustle. one? That's another one that we saw before it became mainstream here. Saw it about three or four years before mm-hmm. people even started talking about it here. And it's just, oh, it's a good movie if nobody's seen that that movie. So, Matthew, number five for you. Number five for me, as with most of the things that I like, it was very difficult, but it ended up being basically related to comics. The number five slot almost went to Kim Possible. And then it almost went to Lita, because I love Lita. But it ended up going to a character who uses her guns, but it's actually her tongue that's lethal. Uh, Tulip O'Hare from Preacher. Mm, okay. When we first when we when we first meet Tulip, she was dumped by the main character years ago, and he expects that she's still the, you know, the shy retiring wallflower. It turns out she's actually a paid killer for the mafia. 
And there are a couple of points where all is doomed and everything is bad and, and you know, everybody's going to die. And all of a sudden, Tulip just pulls out a gun and starts killing things. Tulip will, I mean, literally will not let her boyfriend treat her like, you know, the girlfriend. And when he does, he is punished for it badly. So you have to, you have to love the fact that she decided to become a hit person because her father always taught her, you know, first of all, how to shoot, but also how to shoot well and how to shoot correctly. And then she became so successful at it and so ridiculously good at it that she actually got into a gunfight with the entire army and also God. Excellent. It's interesting that you mentioned Kim Possible as your number five, because Kim Possible is actually on my number four. Nice. As a mainly, oh, man! mainly because she is this strong uh, teenage female character mm-hmm. that yep. doesn't really, I mean, as cartoons go, she's got a pretty shapely shape. Sure. Right? Uh, but mm. she isn't she's still pretty stylized. Yeah, she's stylized, but she isn't overly sexualized like what you see a lot of potential yeah. cartoon characters could go down that route, especially mm-hmm. a character like Kim Possible. Uh, but here's a girl that's very smart, um, takes the lead, actually has the guy as a as a sidekick, mm-hmm. um, and just it, the adventures are fun, the stories are great. Um, my son hasn't really shown interest in her yet, mm-hmm. but I have a feeling that next year. He is going to be more interested in Kim Possible and her skinless mole gopher, <laughs> uh, naked pet, mole rat, naked mole rat, than naked than he is rat. in uh, in one of my other picks on this list. Mm-hmm. So I pick Kim Possible as my number four. Uh, my number four nice. is, of course, the uh, um, the one that would uh, ruin me for all other cartoon women, uh, Chitara. Oh, from Thundercats. Yeah, from Thundercats. Uh, new new version of Chitara or uh, uh, no? The old version. Because yeah, I mean the new version looks good, but I have I've seen very little of of, of the new version, so I don't want to judge one way or another yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, Chitara is cool because not only was she the only one with an actual useful superpower. I mean, Tigra could turn invisible, which was pretty useful, mm-hmm. but Chitara had super speed, and really. Yep. That's, you know, that she was the only one with a superpower other than Lionel's uh, whining powers. Right. right. Um, so, <laughs> and on top of that, they kept adding more things to her. Like, eventually she became psychic and she could, like, see the future and stuff. And it's really just because, like, where are we going to dump all this stuff? Uh, let's give it to the girls. Like, where well, there are two girls. It's like, eh, well, the kid doesn't count. Right, right. So, um, but, you know, she was always a fighter. She was always... Um, there were episodes in which she had to be rescued, but I'm pretty sure due to not all that great writing, there were episodes in which every Thundercat had to be rescued or had to be shown the error of their ways or had to spend a whole episode dealing with Lion-O and the fact that he wasn't quite there yet as, as, as a leader. Um, I, you know, Chitara going, even going back and seeing previous, uh, you know, old episodes of Thundercats, which are often awful, she still comes across as a very strong character. So, uh, and you know, she's rocking that one piece. <laughs> so I'm all, I'm all for that. Also, she uses a staff, which I think is a very cool weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that often you see in kind of secondary characters, whereas the hero has a sword or, or, right, or right. you know, something like that. Um, it's always cool to see which character gets the staff. Cause more often than not, I end up liking that character 
weirdly enough. I, I, not not necessarily because they have a staff, but I'm like, which character do I like in the show? Oh, they're the one with the staff. Weird. Okay. Matthew, what about you for number four? You were disappointed in my Kim Possible. Sounds like she is on your list at number four. I was. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Kim Possible didn't make my list. Oh, okay. Neither did Aowyn. She was very close. The number four slot actually dates back to, as many things do, my days working dead of night in television to where you would be like, infomercial, infomercial, uh, rerun of Bewitched, ooh, the monkeys. But then every once in a while you get that episode of Deep Space Nine, and my number four is Major Kira Norris mm, from mm-hmm. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the prototypical, uh, I think, of the of the entire Star Trek franchise, the first real ass-kicking, you know, action-girl prototype. Exactly. She, before her time, you know, working together with Starfleet, and by the way, the only major character at that time on the entire show who wasn't actually a Starfleet officer, other than her was Odo, who actually became some sort of Starfleet person, apparently. But she was a freedom fighter, Mm-hmm. She fought in the war against the Cardassians. You know, she grew up in containment camps and she grew up just being basically treated terribly and eventually grew up to take no crap from anyone. There are some really wonderful episodes. Um, the one that I remember is when the Klingons attack. The Klingons attack Deep Space Nine and they fight their way to like the command center and they end up fighting on the bridge. And what you see are people running and screaming. And the three people who immediately leap into action are Worf, a Klingon warrior, Cisco, who's the captain. He's got to start punching people and Kira, who's like four foot six and immediately starts just leaping up and taking on these Klingon, fully armed Klingon warriors in battle. You have to love the fact that she will not back down from a fight. Even if it's just an argument, she will not back down. And she is played by one of the most adorable actresses on the planet. Who is that? Uh, I can't remember her name now. Frenchie? Um, Fremistat du Snork. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's okay. No, no, big, no, big, no, big, no big deal. Shining Time Station. You. Yeah, Shining Time Station. Um, Ooh. Her last name is Visitor. I oh, yeah, that. yeah. Non, Nana Visitor. That's right. That's Nana, it. Nana I knew visitor. her first name was Nonsense. Yes. Yeah. But it, it, one of the things that if you ever meet the actress in person, she really is considerably shorter than they want to play the character. Mm-hmm. So there are sequences where you, you see her standing next to uh, the actress who played, originally played Dax. Right. They're literally like a foot apart. I met them or actually watched them walk across a convention floor once. And they're literally like a foot apart. And they were walking together. And I'm like, that must have been amazingly difficult for the director to try and put together. I think one of them had a box and the other one had a trench. Cool. And they would yep. walk across the floor. Yep. Hey, that's how they shoot the Muppets. She uh, ended up marrying uh, Dr. <laughs> Bajir, I believe. And Not in real life. In, yeah, real life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, divorced in 2001. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that is uh, number four. Number three for me is a uh, one that slipped in here at the last minute because I was like, oh, no, this one's actually better. Uh, and it's because of this symbionic Titan uh, TV series that I've been watching. Mm-hmm. I really am disappointed that they haven't continued that for a third season. But uh, Princess Alana, I think, is a strong character. Again, another teenage character. Um Strong, strong is an action girl for a couple of reasons. Um, 
number one, she has lost her entire populace except for Octus the robot and mm-hmm. Lance her bodyguard. She has no idea what's happened to her kingdom or her planet. She has no idea what's become of her father. Her father, as he's putting her in the ship and telling her to get the heck out, is saying, you're going to be the one that's going to have to bring this bring this back. Uh, and so she's got this great responsibility of, you know, basically, who knows, she could be the last member of her race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she and Lance are probably going to have to repopulate at some point. <laughs> um, but, of course, we know that, you know, people, there are survivors on the planet. Uh, but this liberation that she has to go through and the fact that she's also this kick-ass robot um, that not the, the symbiotic Titan, but uh, in her own body armor, she's got some very cool powers. Uh, There's a whole episode when Lance was doing something else that she and Octus uh, together went on and took on one of the big monsters that were sent. Um, she's just a, a very spirited character. She is spunky, uh, is what we what us older people would probably say, Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she's always got a positive she's attitude. She's got moxie. She's got moxie, if you're from the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a, a term that you would use. She's got pep, if you're from the 30s. <laughs> We gotta find all those words from the forties. She's got va va voom. <laughs> she doesn't have a lot of va va voom because, again, she's very she's drawn very plain. Um, except for her hairdo, she's just this average girl looking person. Uh, but as a very strong willed character who always takes her positive attitude and moves it in a good direction, and someone who can bring the hurt when needs be, mm-hmm. uh, Princess Alana is number three on my list. Rodrigo. Uh, number three on my list is uh, definitely uh, Kimberly the Pink Ranger from uh, Power Rangers. Oh. Um, and and this is Sarah Jo Johnson or uh, Amy Amy Joe jo Johnson. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, Amy Joe so, Johnson used to be yes. so in love with her. A uh, a, a a complex character. She's still hot. Um, in that yeah. uh, she was kind of a kind of a started out kind of a as a ditzy girl mm-hmm. um but was also a power ranger you know her her basically her power ranger power was the power of gymnastics <laughs> um which if you've watched Jim Cotta, you know is is a is a is a mighty Jim martial Cotta. arts yes it gymnastics is a mighty martial art on its own um yep I always I, I, I always thought it was interesting and, and after she left and they put in other different pink rangers, it was just never that drastic of a change of like the, the girl who goes, Ew, gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, those putties are totally disgusting, you guys. And then turns into an ass kicking power or you know, kicks butt right there. And then of course as the show yep. goes, is you beat up mooks in your plain clothes, right. then you beat up mooks as a power ranger. And you fight a monster as a Power Ranger, the monster beats you, monster increases, you get in your robots and fight it, right? Um, I don't know. There was She was just always interesting. She was, you know, in the in, uh, out of the original five Power Rangers, pretty much the, uh, out of the two girls, the one that had the, per- the, the one that got the personality, mm-hmm. um, and the one that got to stay after the first uh, handful of them got put on a bus. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, you know. It's. Mm. I think she. Kimberly actually reappeared as a villain too. I'm sure. I think. I think all of the she, Power Rangers that are still alive have at some point shown back up, except maybe for the one that's doing porn and the one that's dead. That's what she, I'm saying. Oh, all yeah. the Power Rangers oh, yeah, are yeah, still alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She actually showed up as a villain in the second Power Rangers movie, 
And yes, I, I know my Power Rangers mock me at your peril. But yes, it's actually pretty kind, it's pretty kind of marvelous, actually, because she disappears, I think, for like a season and a half. And then they make this big new movie and she and the original Red Ranger pop up and end up being controlled by the villain to fight right. the new Rangers, which is kind of right. neat. Matthew, number three for you. Number three, number three, number three, number three. Number three, going back to the world of comics. In 1947, (laughs) the Justice Society of America had only one girl member, and she was the secretary. And she was the most powerful member of the Justice Society at the time, I might add. And then they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to replace Johnny Thunder with another girl. And they brought in the Black Canary. Now, the Black Canary in 1947 pretty much looked exactly like the Black Canary now, except that she wore a little domino mask. And I found that to be really fascinating because the costume, aside from, you know, some minor adjustments of maybe the the waistline and the, the bust line, really the same. But these days, people talk about Black Canary as being, you know, this this super gorgeous character. And, oh, look, she wears the face, and she's so pretty. But she's not just pretty. Black Canary is actually recognized as one of the most dangerous characters in the DC Universe. Black Canary is one of the only people who have ever defeated Lady Shiva, who is the character that you defeat in the DC Universe to prove that you're a real bad fighter. Black Canary, when she left Birds of Prey, Birds of Prey was no fun anymore. And when she came back to Birds of Prey, Birds of Prey was an awesome book. And specifically, Black Canary, as written by Gail Simone, who's probably an honorary action girl, just amazingly cool because she never stops being a feminine character. She never stops being female. But then she will also kick you in the face while wearing fishnets and look good doing it. You know, Black Canary to me is that quintessential probably the strongest powerless female character in comics because almost everybody knows Black Canary. Not a lot of people know Green Arrow, but almost everybody knows Black Canary. She carries over outside of comics better than people like Zatanna and Firestorm and other characters, you know, those second-tier Justice Leaguers. So mm-hmm. I had to go with Dinah, either one, because there's two, sort of. All right, which brings us up to our number twos. Number two for me exploded onto the scene with her really big guns that she would run around blowing things up with as you tried to solve puzzles in an Indiana Jones type way, but with a female protagonist in the form of Laura Croft Mm. or Lara Croft, depending on how you're going to say it. Um, Lara. I think think it's pronounced Lara. Lourdes Croft. Lourdes Croft. Uh, the concept of the first game I thought was, you know, was fascinating. Here's this Indiana Jones style adventure, but instead of having uh, a typical male protagonist, mm-hmm. you end up with the female lead. And you're running around, training, jumping, shooting, doing everything that an action star would do. Uh, but the twist was for the gamers at the time when we were covered with. Duke Nukem, and we were covered with uh, crap uh, uh, Doom, and all of these other first-person shooter type games that were just coming out on the market. First time that we'd seen a real strong female hero. Now, granted, there's Metroid, right? Samus, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I really like Laura Croft as this strong female lead that could kick butts and take names, providing that you could hit the jump button at just the right time. 
Mm-hmm. So, Laura Croft is my number two for Action Girls. Rodrigo? And let's talk about Samus here for a second. Um, oh, was that your number two? No, it's oh, not. Okay. And there's a, there's a reason for that. The big deal out of the first Metroid was that at the end, you got to see Samus outside of the suit, and you mm-hmm. were like, oh, this whole time I've been playing a chick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of my issue with Samus, sort of as as a girl and as as a you know as a potential role model, yeah. mm-hmm. is that you can't tell she's a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean mm-hmm. that you have to be able to see her. And you know, progressively the 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 outfits have gotten have become more revealing. more yeah. well now she's it gets more feminine. Yeah. Yes, more feminine. Um, yes. There's also one uh, line of games that actually have her like explode out of her outfit into a skin-tight leotard and run around for a while and then build her thing back, build her mm. outfit back up, mm-hmm. which, you know, Armor, is, yeah. yes, it, is, is fine and all. But no, actually, um, my my number two is a video game character and I think a better action girl, surprisingly enough, even though she's usually not in that position, and that's Princess Peach. Peach. (laughs) Because she can drive a mean go-kart, right? She can drive a go-kart. She plays golf and tennis with the boys. Yeah. Um, In Super Mario RPG, nobody could swing a golf club, uh, pan, or umbrella like she could. Um, I like that Princess Peach is very much a princess, and that is uh, goes into her choice of weapons mm-hmm. as well. You know, she doesn't uh, she doesn't have a giant hammer or anything like that. Right. Um, she in fact uses her dainty umbrella or tennis racket to uh, to uh, swat brigands away. Um, in Smash Brothers, if you play Peach, she has a, an attack that I personally in the game I'm very fond of, which is you can jump and actually hip check oh, really? people. Hip check? Yeah. Um, of course I always, I always play the, uh, I always pick the color that makes her skin and hair a little darker. So I always play Latin peach. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so she can, uh, <laughs> so she, she can give you the saucy hip. Um, uh, you know, she's, uh, the, the what now <laughs> princess peach, I'm, I'm... you know, started out as that awful stereotype, right? Go rescue the girl uh, of the girl that you have to rescue and, mm-hmm. Really completely accidentally, and and that's what makes her good. Completely sort of because they're like, oh, well, we need another character for Mario Kart. We need another character for Mario Golf. We need another character for this, for that, for the other thing. Eventually grew out of that. She's yeah. got a couple of games now in which she's a protagonist. Um, Not that that's all that big of an achievement, since basically every minor Mario character gets their own game eventually. Mm-hmm. But still, she's... uh. She she's become a more interesting character than what she started as. Okay, I you pulled. I mean, I was like Princess Peach. Really mm-hmm. good, good, uh, good answer. Good justification on that. Matthew, number two for you. Number two, number two, number two. Well, number two for me. I actually had a different name in the number two slot up until the point that, really, I think about five minutes before we started recording. Because I was thinking about how awesome it was when I was in college and I started watching the adventures of this really awesome, you know, strong female character. She had a predilection for leather pants. She had a sharp wit. You know, she was attractive, but she didn't, you know, didn't use the attractiveness as her primary characteristic. And I started thinking about, yes, we will put the Buffy on the list. And I said, wait, everything that I've said 
also describes another character who I feel really deserves inclusion, even though, as Al Bundy will tell you, she's a hundred now. Going back to the 1960s, Mrs. Emma Peel from The Avengers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did everything that Buffy did backwards in heels or something like that. And Mrs. Peel, if you actually watch the episodes, Mrs. Peel is a kind of an inversion of everything that you've seen because she's not the first person to team up with John Steed in his unofficial capacity of whatever it is. And she's certainly not the last, but I feel like she's the one that really nails that formula down because the girl who was there before her was, you know, a very strong and very popular character. And they had intentionally made sure that she was a little different. You know, in the sixties, she was played flat out as a feminist. She fought. Steed would go out and worry about his bowler and Mrs. Peel would kick the crap out of people. You know, she would go and Steed would get tied up and she'd have to go save him. And it really came to the point where she was so strong and so smart to where you can sit and, you know, watch five minutes of the two of them talking back and forth. And it's really the only enjoyable part of Uma Thurman's portrayal of the character. Hmm. in the Avengers movie, which is awful, by the way, is just that wit and that quick back and forth between Steve and Mrs. Peel. And if you've ever seen the opening credits of the Avengers, there's actually two sets of opening credits if you watch it in America. There's a sequence where she leans over the back of a leather sofa and flips her hair and then points a gun at you. I am completely in love with that woman for those two seconds, even though she's pointing a gun at me. Just what she manages to convey in that second of, oh, you're going to underestimate me. Now you die. I love that that interaction. And I love some of those leather outfits and the really cool mod cat suits and the mini skirts and the things that they had her wearing. You know, a really interesting and oddly anachronistic 60s character for me. Okay. Number twos are out of the way. And now it's time to get into our... Number ones, and this is always this is always uh, an interesting thing because uh, after we've had our other episodes, people are always like, "Oh, I can't believe you guys didn't have this on your list. You didn't have this sure, on your sure. list. You didn't have this on your list." Um, let's just run through some some names that haven't appeared yet that might be number ones, but just thinking of other mm-hmm. action type female characters mm-hmm. that aren't on that haven't been mentioned mm-hmm. yet. Because I know that when we did our movies from the 80s, people were like, well, where's Ferris Bueller? Right. Where's, uh, you know, where's... Blues uh, Brothers. Blues Brothers. Uh, scroll, Brian, we're listening. Like Don't worry. Um, Lady J. Mm-hmm. Scarlet. She-Ra. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Princess Mononoke. Right. Uh, Xena, Warrior yep. Princess. Mm-hmm. The, Rep- Power, the Powerpuff yep. Girls, which were on my list early on. Mm-hmm. Ramona uh, Flowers. Ramona yep. Flowers. Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Zatanna. Yep. Buffy, yep. as, as, uh, as Matthew Ripley. mentioned. Who could forget Jessica Fletcher? Murder, she wrote. Oh, yeah. I could. <laughs> so now, let us get Did to our... you catch our... Ripley, Matthew said Ripley? Yes, Ripley, yes. Uh, any others? He just talks over me, it's fine. Oh, what? What's there's... That? Yes, Tila, lots of others, but you'll just talk over me. Man. Let's get to our number ones. No. For me... Da-da-da! The first season, I don't know why we didn't watch this. Batman Brave and the Bold, right? Mm-hmm. Because I thought, oh, they're going to just, I was coming off the, probably fell into the, became, becoming that fan. Mm. Oh, they're going to do a Batman. They can't do any better than Batman the Animated Series. And this looks jokey and hokey and blah. 
And then I about second season, we sat down and watched the show and I was like, holy crap, this is really good Mm -hmm. because it combines the best of every age of Batman, right? The best of every age of every character in that in that series, heavily flavored with Silver Age. But you can find some modern age and golden age renditions of characters in there. And just recently, there's been a character that's been appearing here and there in Batman, the Brave and the Bold. That I think is really strong in the way that they portray her in the Brave and the Bold, and that is Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. I know it's, it seems like a cop out, but I'm not saying Wonder Woman is being written by Gail Simone or Wonder Woman is drawn by Adam Hughes. I'm talking about Wonder Woman from the Brave and the Bold because she encompasses everything that's great about Wonder Woman in the Golden Age, in the Silver Age, especially the Silver Age, and really has some modern flair with her. And in the most recent appearance or maybe her first big appearance in the show uh, as a regular kind of recurring character, they're using the Linda Carter Wonder Woman theme song for when she is fighting nice. this Nazi uh, this Nazi woman. Matthew, have you seen that episode? And here's her, and here's, uh, <laughs> and here's Steve Trevor t- t- tied to this bomb, slinging out cheesy dialogue, and Wonder Woman is just... Sister, come with me. Put down your arms, and and we don't have to fight. And you can you can be strong and doing all this stuff. And then when the Nazi woman is like nine, pow, 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 flies an invisible jet, and all the time we're hearing Wonder Woman, and it's just it's perfectly done without making fun of the character. And I know the comic book version of Wonder Woman is probably what people would say should be the should be that number one. But in in this sense, I really think they've done Wonder Woman really, really well without falling into the trappings of she gets caught in her own lasso. So let's throw some bondage in there. Let's make her wear pants. Let's make her become this ultimate warrior in the Batman Brave and the Bold. She is a strong action character that doesn't have to have a lot of dialogue and certainly is on equal terms or better than Batman as mm-hmm. a hero in that universe. So Wonder Woman from Batman the Brave and the Bold takes my number one spot. Uh, let's see. Number one for me absolutely has to be Tarangalila <laughs> from Futurama. There you Hi-ya! go. <laughs> yes. She actually, she gets a lot of the best lines yeah. in the... Um, I believe in this most recent uh, season, uh, they were drilling to the center of the earth or something like that. And they were like, speed up the drills. And she's like, I can't. Our Bachman Turners are on overdrive. (laughs) And stupid things like that. But, I mean, she, in a comedy show, Mm -hmm. she is both the, the, the strong female, um lead mm-hmm. and also basically the strong male lead at the right. same time because right. fry is just, right. a, just nothing it's just a schmuck <laughs> um and you know in, in a lot of ways because you know the whole point is that fry is this point of view character um a lot of the times when you need stuff that deals with family, when you need stuff that deals with alienation, when you need mm-hmm. stuff that deals with all this other stuff that Fry is kind of incapable of of dealing with because he's a... Displaced. Yeah. or And because he's just a dude, dude. who, you know, this stuff rolls <laughs> off his back. Yeah. You... Stuff falls to Leela. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, over the course of Futurama... You know, she kind of started as a as a way of doing 
you know, alien jokes and feminist jokes and, and things like that, but really grew into an interesting character. The 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 problem with that, of course, is that, you know, I've never really been happy with the relationship between Fry and Leela mm-hmm. in that they keep building towards it happening and then they take it away if for the purpose of making a joke or right, right. because they need some situation to manifest. Right. Um and it's funny because I don't care whether uh Foreman and Thirteen are dating, but I do care whether Fry and Leela are dating. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> because that's a show that I actually care about. Yeah, yeah. And it and it always annoyed me. But other than that, I always felt that, you know, basically Leela ends up being the straight man to Bender and Fry a lot of the time, and as such, ends up carrying mm-hmm. the show, and for a lot of it, is the protagonist. Yeah, excellent. Good choice yeah. there, Rodrigo. Matthew, it all comes that down to one. you. Our top five it all favorite action girls. Down. Number one, Matthew, <laughs> unveil her, wow. please. That, by the way, was my patented David Tennant. Wow! Going back, as I often do, through the history of things, I usually fall on the comic book side of the spectrum. And I go back and I say to myself, self, yes. We talk about Black Canary, right? Yes. She's the earliest, right? No. And myself looks at me with that, you, you ignorant slut face. Mm-hmm. And my number one actually falls less under girl than she does under action. Probably more of an action mom. And arguably, depending on how you define it, the very first female superhero, the original Red Tornado, Ma Ma Hunkle. Hunkle? Yeah, good choice. Ma Hunkle. Going back to the golden age of comics, and this is the thing that's interesting, she only missed membership in the Justice Society of America because she ripped her pants. <laughs> Ma Uncle was actually in All Star Comics number three. And the thing that was really fascinating about it was that the various, you know, guys and, and bad guys and criminals and, and superstitious and cowardlies that the Red Tornado fought did not know that they were being beaten up by the Ma from down the street. They actually thought that the Red Tornado was a serious, you know, was a superhero male for one thing. To me, if I look at it right, Fantoma, created by Fletcher Hanks, was the first female superhero. She first appeared in February of 1940. But Red Tornado, having appeared, well, let me put it this way. Red Tornado first appeared after Fantoma, but Ma Hunkle appeared considerably earlier. So, depending on how you define it, she could be the first female superhero ever. And she's got a right cross that will drop you right on your face. And notably... This is how you tell if a character is actually someone that you should care about. Jeff Johns loves her and brought her back (laughs) in the pages of Justice Society of America a few years ago Mm -hmm. as the curator of the Justice Society Museum. And she had been in the witness protection program for 55 years. (laughs) Very cool. (laughs) Which I thought was pretty awesome. And she's still basically, she looks exactly the same in 2010 as she did in 1945. She's, you know, that, that character that I know, I know I always recommend, I, I always think of her as being like my grandmother. She's just this tough old broad that you, you can't put anything over on. And if you have to, she'll brain you with a pan. And I and have to appreciate a, that. 
and she wears red long johns and wears a pot on her head. That's right. Red long johns, a pot on her head, and a big black cape. All right, there you go, listeners. There are our top five favorite action girls. You know what to do next. I can't believe you guys didn't have her on your list. Use the comments section. Share your top five. I can't believe you forgot everybody. <laughs> Share your top five. I Tell us why. Don't, don't just list them. Give us a justification why. Don't say, I can't believe yeah. you didn't put China on that list. Justify why yeah. China, China isn't on that list. Tell us why Totally okay, Spy China. should have taken up some uh, space. Exactly. And if you're a fan of the Winx Club, well, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> but tell us why we're wrong for not identifying. All right, everybody. We will be back Adam tomorrow. How can we, we will be back Adam tomorrow Fiedel? with what another about, like Elisa Massa from Gargoyles. Well, who could there forget uh, Charisma Carpenter from Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah. I mean, Cordelia. Come on. Cordelia? Okay, she was not an actor. Oh, but yeah, but, but we forgot. Action. We forgot. Face. an action Some, figure, action. and boy, we, you should see what I do. Yeah, that we, action figure. We forgot Summer Glau and everything. Well, she's that's ever what been I was. In. I was waiting. I thought that was going to be yes. Matthew's number one was Summer mm-hmm. Glau uh, as the top we action girl. Utica. Yeah. So that's yeah, what the comment section is for. Aricia. Tomorrow, oh, another top five to get your ire up, or to make you laugh, or chuckle, or to think. Tomorrow's top five is an interesting one. You're going to have to tune in then and see what happens. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. And remember, we love comics, and we know you do too, and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Bob Stark Raven reads like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be In the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa. What a major spoiler Major Spoilers Is copyright 2011